this Sunday school hour a couple months ago, well, a couple years ago, and then a couple months ago, we did a kind of panel discussion on, first one was the topic on truth, the other was passing the, or sharing out the gospel in life, whether it be in the workplace, things like that. I was trying to think of what would be a good topic to do as a panel discussion for today, and I came across an article that I shared in the glimpses, and I shared with several people just because it was very impactful to me. And it was, it's on that blog I mentioned earlier called Desiring God. The name of the article, the title is, Live for Days You Will Not See, The Beauty of Christian Legacy. And uh, the article was fantastic. If you haven't read it, I really encourage you to read it. The concept is that you are supposed to be living now for, with the thought, for people in the future. And he took fr- from his text, Second Kings chapter 20, and I just want to read the verses. Hezekiah has essentially been judged, and he's given this message from the Lord. And here's what Isaiah, the prophet, says to Hezekiah in Second Kings chapter 20, starting at verse 16. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your sons who shall issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah is hearing about the prophecy that Babylon will come and overtake um, Israel and Judah, and, and that the, his future descendants would be put into captivity. And Isaiah's response in verse 19, excuse me, Hezekiah's response to Isaiah in verse 19 was Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, is it not so if there will be peace and truth in my days? Hezekiah in that moment is only thinking about himself. He's not thinking about his descendants. He's thinking, well, stinks to be them because <laughs> I'm going to be fine now and I'm not going to see those days. It's a very self-serving perspective that he was sharing. And this article that I read by a guy named Scott Hubbard was saying, don't be Hezekiah. Don't live for now. Don't live to make your days peaceful now. Live for days you won't see. Days that your children will see that you set them up so that they can in turn set up the next generation, etc., etc. So that kind of sparked my brain to start thinking, what would be a good topic to discuss? And the topic that I thought was, what about leaving a Christian legacy? What about the things that are supposed to be passed down from one generation to the next? I think at least for my generation, it's it's pretty easy for us to kind of just focus on the here and now and not do um, what R.C. Sproul describes as um, recognize that right now counts forever that what I'm doing now counts forever. So I asked these men if they'd be willing to sit down, which they said yes, and if they'd be willing to answer some questions that I prepared ahead of time and uh, share with us their perspective on things that should be um, passed down. And I will preface it by saying, I think the answers, I hope, will not just be um, the, the spiritual things we're supposed to pass down, but I think that there are things that are practical that we should be passing down to each generation as well. And so, with that being said, I'm going to start with question number one. And the microphones are on either side of you. 
So the question number one when it comes to what each generation should be passing down is what things should each generation be passing down? Like what, what are the actual things? And I think the things could be anything from practical to obviously things that are laid out in scripture as well. So what do you guys think? What would be your answer? I don't care which goes first. Go ahead, Jim. Age report. Two things that um, I think of, and this is what was passed down to me that stick it out of my mind. Um, and I'm looking at it from a church perspective, and that is uh, consistency was one. I was thinking about this this morning from the time I was five until the time I was 12, and then 13 I went into the teen department and so on. But from five to 12 in church, I had four Sunday school teachers. Uh, Four teachers, I had them all for two years, five and six, seven, eight, nine and ten, and eleven and twelve. I still remember their names, uh, uh, Orville Bacon, Herman Hitch, Barty Cheney, and Bill Sheridan. They had two things in common. One, they had to be the worst Sunday school teachers I've ever had in my life. I mean, they were bad. Um, they... Uh, uh, there was it was a lecture for forty or forty five minutes, and if you 're a five year old you 're not if you 're a twelve year old you 're still not sitting there for forty five minutes for a lecture and so as far as what I learned from scripture, the only thing I could remember is one verse that Herman Hitch, which was his life verse that he made us quote every week, and that was in today 's uh, message john thirteen thirty five greater love hath no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. But other than that, I don't remember anything they say, but I do remember their consistency. Every Sunday for two years, certainly they went on a vacation and they missed from time to time, but I don't remember that. I just remember these were all faithful men in the church, always there on Sunday, uh, always involved in ministry, and just were a tremendous testimony to me as a result of that. And I think it really taught me the lesson of being consistent and always faithful in trying to do the, the responsibilities that God has given to me in ministries, whatever those ministries are. And so that's one of the lessons that I learned. The second one was <clears throat> more from my dad, but I would say it's also true from these people as well and many others, and that was uh, humility. Uh, my dad never talked about himself. Um, I didn't learn some things about my dad until his funeral. Um, I didn't know he was valedictorian of his class in high school until his funeral. And he received the Bronze Star for valor in World War II. I had no idea until my brother said it in the eulogy at his funeral. He just never talked about himself. He was always interested in the other person and... Uh, the conversation, he was always trying to steer it toward the other person and what's going on in their life, how are you doing, for the purpose of encouraging them or sharing the gospel with them. And those are two lessons that were passed down to me that I hope I uh, pass down to others. I will tell you that there are people in the church here that uh, are the same way as my Sunday school teachers, because if I talk to my kids, there will be certain names that they constantly mention. 
And if they were here in church this morning, there's certain people that they would gravitate to quickly to make sure they said hi to because those people had an impact on their life. And it was mainly because they were faithful over a period of time. And they really uh, taught my kids that they loved them. They were concerned about them because of their faithfulness. Uh, so I don't remember if it was you I was talking with. I was talking with somebody about the fact that do you think it's more often people remember the things that you did without necessarily trying to teach as opposed to the careful lessons you crafted and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, the, it's the character uh, that, you, that you display before them that is far superior. You know, I'm sure they taught me something. I've, I learned a little bit of the Bible in their class, but I don't remember what it was. I just remember their characters yeah. when I remember. Yeah. On that thought, um, I, was, I was up early this morning thinking about this this time and, and reflecting. One of the things, I'm very thankful for this topic. Um, our culture is very self-centered, and we think about my autonomy. You know, I have my life to live and you know, we our, our culture says that uh, we don't want any you know babies interfering with our marriage, you know, our our, our free time in our life, and and so we don't we want to be able to control when babies come, and and that's why one of the reasons abortion abortion is so prevalent, and it's getting to the point where we want to put our our senior citizens in a, a place where they're taken care of, so that we can go ahead and live our lives. And, and not be bothered with those senior citizens and, and dealing with our family matters and, and all those things because we want to take care of us. And uh, as I was praying through that and thinking, Lord, what, what is it that is, is so important? And um, a pastor, I, I'm sure it wasn't original to him, but he taught me when I was 12 years old or so, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. I said, yeah, that's true. That, that's exactly right. The, the things I say are important, and the things I teach in a Sunday school class are really important. The things that, that we tell people uh, that we believe are really important. It's important that we share our faith. But the, the consistent life that we live and, and being faithful to the house of God and being, being faithful in loving the brothers— uh, I loved the message this morning. Um, that that need for our our actively engaging in loving in practical ways and in in day to day life in in everything, loving those of the household of faith. Um, that says so much more, and that is so much more easily transferred from generation to generation. Um, as I was thinking about the the um, uh, the the amount of Bible that my grandchildren know already, uh, you know, my oldest grandson's 11 years old, and he probably knows as much Bible now, as many Bible facts right now at 11 years old as I knew after two years of Bible college. I'm confident. I mean, he just. Bible stories, Bible facts, Bible history. He knows a lot about the Bible. That doesn't mean a lot. It really doesn't. If his heart 
isn't loving others and his heart isn't after seeking after Jesus and his walk doesn't match the talk. So uh, I think that's really important, that walk, talk, and talk, talk. Yeah, and the, the, what you said just now just reminded me, I can't remember who I was listening to, but somebody said something to the effect of, if you have somebody who's, own, who's all heart but no head when it comes to mm-hmm. the Lord, then you just have emotionalism. Right. If you have all head and no heart, then you just have intellectualism. You have to have both. Right. It's both, both and love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind. Right. It's both. All three. Yeah. I guess when I thought of this question, the first thing that I thought of was maybe a little more broad-based, but what exactly are we commanded um, to do? And I mean, certainly knowledge of the Bible. One verse that came to mind was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, And the things that thou hast heard from me among many witnesses, commit thou the same to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And there specifically, this is the Apostle Paul. I mean, it's within the inspired word of God, but the Apostle Paul was telling this to Timothy. And he was saying, you know, I, the things that I have commanded and taught you, you need to teach, um, you know, to other faithful men who then will be able to teach others also. And really that, you know, is essentially what we are commanded to do is passing down the next generation is that knowledge of the Bible specifically. I think maybe a couple of things that I think of more direct in there rather than just this very broad answer for me is one important thing is teaching why and not just what because if if and you know me with my own kids and if we're just teaching people what they should do and not why they should do it they will never be able to a couple things one they will never be able to develop the critical thinking skills to be able to make decisions about things spiritually that we didn't tell them what and also when people give them opposing points of view, they don't have, they will not have the information for them to be able to say why what they were taught earlier is what they should follow and not this other thing. So I think it's important to teach the, teach the why. And then as I think about the different, you know, places where this happens, I mean, I think the two main ones is the family, um, the church, you know, are the two main places where this, you know, there's this responsibility of, um, of teaching, you know, the next generation and, and going down there. But I think the biggest thing is just that teaching, you know, why. And then the other thing um, as well is, and there's so many things where this is true in life, where you learn by seeing other people succeed or sometimes fail in something else is almost like this, like, trade secret type thing where people are able to see, if they see us serving the Lord, if they see us doing things in Christian ministry, they will see what works well and perhaps what doesn't, but they will see what works well and they will almost learn how to do that. I mean, our society is a lot more specialized, but you think back to 100, 200 years ago when people had to do a lot more of things you know, around, you know, building a log cabin, uh, going out and hunting their food and growing their crops. How did they learn all that? They learned it from their parents, taught their parents, taught their parents. And our society is a little different in some ways from that today, but there still is definitely an element of that is you think about the things that you and I know, a lot of times it's, you know, just a practical level. It's because we've seen somebody else and how they did it and be successful at it. And I think we can do the same thing with spiritual things as well, that if somebody sees us being successful, 
in ministry, they will have an example to follow after and they'll learn from that and be able to do it themselves. Maybe they make some changes to the to their current culture or situation. They make some improvements, but they have a good base of knowledge and experience to go off of. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a combination from all your answers. It sounds like there's a combination of things that are facts, if you will, that need to be passed down. But then there's also things that are not tangible, like character, like modeling what godly character looks like so if i could add one more thing to what brad said there um with my kids and they uh wanted to know why i always started with because i'm your dad and i said so and i intentionally did that which irritated them to no end but i did that but then tried to follow with other reasons but that really paid off because in both of their uh, lives when they were teenagers, um, something came up with both of them where I had to say no, and they asked me why, and I couldn't tell them why. It was, it was um, there were situations that were going on that uh, I had to keep the confidence of it, and so I said, you're just going to have to trust me now. But because over the time, uh, time of saying over and over again why, when I couldn't say why on uh, specific occasions, they did trust. Um, and then I, in, at least in my son, I don't think my daughter's ever asked, but for my son, several years later, I told him why uh, he couldn't do something. But it's important for them to understand the number one reason why is because I'm your dad and I, uh, I said so. That's actually a part of the message this morning. The first point that Pastor Rod brought up was we love one another because God commanded us to do so. That's number one reason. So then I guess going off of that, the second question I had for you guys is why are those things important? Why is it important to pass on those things and what impact would it have if we didn't pass those things down that you guys just mentioned? Like I'm, I'm specifically thinking of your why. So if you, if, you didn't pass, if you didn't pass down a respect of authority, what impact would that, and let's say every parent didn't do that. Every parent didn't pass down the responsibility of us to respect positions of authority and things like that what would be the impact of that in the future? And I think just the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, anarchy is going to end up being the end result if that continues to be the way it goes because everyone's going to do what's right in their own eyes and there will be no, it will just be chaos. There'll be no order. But also, even from a spiritual, spiritual perspective and more detrimental, people will have a less of a view of the authority of God himself as well, which they already have in their sinful state. But So what would be... What would be the impact of those things if we didn't pass those things down? And I think that answers the question why those are important. I, I think if we just look back 30 years, we can see a generation that, that ex- answers that question, why it's so important. Um, my parents' generation passed down very few of the whys to my generation. The, the people I know that are, are my age, many of us have a, a similar, we, we may have loved our parents, we may have, have very much, um, we may have obeyed our parents and been very, very uh, uh, obedient at home. But 
the whys um, weren't there. There was, there was something about the time they grew up or, or for some reason, there, at least the, the folks that I know of, uh, a lot of the, the people um, didn't, there were so much because I said so that they didn't go on and explain, by the way, because I said so, and then there's three more points I want to give you when Christ says, okay, love each other because I said so, and then let me give you three more good reasons, all right? Um, there's an excellent example of this in the morning's message. I don't know if you planned that, Mm-mm. but uh, the, um, I, because I said so is, is the right answer first, but then you need to go on beyond that. And a lot of what I got growing up was because I said so, period, and that was it, and there were no whys. And so I think that's one of the reasons why if I look at my siblings, um, out of five children, there, there are one of us in church today, all raised by the same family, all raised by the same parents, whose dad was a pastor, by the way, okay, um, one in church out of five. And, and I, I see that in a lot of that generation, um, that the whys weren't given. And, and so I think one of the reasons it's so important to, to share those whys, uh, I think I like the way Brad said it, um, is because uh, that's how we learn our children and our children's children learn to think critically and, and learn to defend for themselves the, the faith. They learn to to uh, deal with the challenges that, that they come up against because the questions that are asked of our children and our grandchildren are going to be phrased differently than the questions we were asked. And they need to be able to take the scriptures and find in the scriptures the answers to the questions the way they're asked of them. And so they need to know not just the scriptures, which they need to know, but they need to know the whys of what we do. Um, and I think that's... I think there's just a good example there of why we have to teach the whys. Yeah, I love that you mentioned about the, because I think there are certain things that we will, that the next generation will counter that they might not even fathom. Like my guess is if you, if, if, if you, know, thir, you know, 30 years ago when, you know, you know, Josh was your age or whatever, you know, you probably would have never fathomed that he would be confronted with the issue with his kids in school over, you know, transgenderism and things like that. You probably would have never even, never even thought of that. Yet there's biblical principles that would be learned regarding that issue, you know, that are also applicable to other things as well. And if you learn the why on one thing, then you learn, you know, the why on, um, you know, other things as well. Um, you know, and I think, and one other thing I was going to say there is, you know, I think, you know, why, you know, these things are, you know, important, what the impact is. I think it can't be overlooked that, you know, especially like, and I think of this with my own kids, that I have what I'll call home court advantage with them right now while they're growing up. They have, they are their own individual person. They are born with a sin nature. And for them to be saved, which is ultimately the only way that they'll stay in church and live for the Lord and things like that, is they have to be, have the Holy Spirit convict them and they have to make a choice to be saved. But I have home court advantage for them for 18 years to try to steer them on the path to make, to put the odds in their favor and make it more likely that they are going to do that. And that's what I, you know, hope and pray to be able to do. You know, time will tell with my, you know, six kids um, how they, you know, how they turn out. 
but I got to take advantage of the home court advantage I have right now. The, uh, the basically, I think what I'm hearing is the wise for what we pass down and why we pass it down is because there are consequences. Like, so for example, I was talking to somebody this week. Should we be passing down to kids how to change the oil in their car? Is that something that we should be passing down? If you don't, what will be the consequences of them not changing the oil of their car? Not very good. They'll probably be buying a car. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they'll be like Tim Hogue, who never changes the oil in his car, just keeps adding to it. Just keep, ooh. And, and I've got a couple of vehicles over 300,000 miles. But we're not going to talk about that because there's, that's a there's good oil company I people think we got out this. Wanna, should, we don't want to go into that car. conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the point I'm making is the decisions you make now have consequences for the future. And in my mind, I'm thinking I've got a four-year-old and I have a two-year-old. The things that I teach them or don't teach them now will not only impact their life, but will impact the way they invest in the next lives should they get married and have their own kids. Or, I mean, they'll have some kind of influence in society at the very least. So the things that we do or don't pass on now will have some kind of effect on the next generation. And that's why I think that what you guys were saying about the why, like explaining why to people is very important to your kids especially. I kind of grew up thinking, you know, the why is because I said so, the authority aspect. But there is something to be said for explaining certain things as well. Okay, so now this gets a little more, more narrow here for you guys. What did your parents do, particularly when it comes to passing the torch of the gospel? What did your parents do to pass the torch of the gospel to you? What are things that they did that you can look back to? So, for example... Did they take you? Was it the fact that they took you to church? Was it the fact that they did family devotions? What What were things that they did for you specifically? I, I think for me, it's just having me surrounded by things where I would be, where I'd be hearing God's word and learning about it. So I think you know, one big way is I went, you know. Plug Heritage Christian School here for a minute. <laughs> I mean, I went here kindergarten through 12th grade and learned a lot, you know, through that. And, you know, looking back at that, one of the biggest things probably, I don't even know if they still do this or not, but I had in, as part of the fine arts competition, I know they still do. They had a Bible memory competition. I don't know if I did it every year to six years, but I did it several. And there's probably 60, 80 verses that I memorized almost like a spelling bee type style and do the math on that. That's probably three or four hundred verses that I committed to memory. Do I do I remember all three or four hundred of them? No, but do I remember a good number of them? Yes. And is God able to use memorizing those verses to bring things to mind? Yes. And so I think that's the you know the biggest way is and emphasizing the importance of those things as well and why it's important to be in church, why it's important to be surrounded by, you know, by God's word being taught and, you know, the Bible being an important thing. I think that's that in my mind, when I looked at that, you know, question, that's the biggest thing in my mind. So when I was thinking about this this morning, I I was realizing I I like the way you phrased the question about passing on to the next generation, my brain immediately went to family passing on. And as I was thinking through my family passing on, I, I realized 
much of where I am and who I am today is not the direct, it, it was definitely affected by my family, it, but it's not the direct influence of my family. Much more, it's the influence of the people my family put me under their influence. Um, passing on generationally is not just a within the walls of my family, it's not a genetic thing. It's, it, is a, uh, it takes place here in the church, it takes place in a lot of other places. And as I, I look back, uh, one of the biggest effects that my family had on me growing up were the missionaries and the pastors and the evangelists and the um, preachers that were in our home that stayed with us, that, uh, that we went to special meetings and I heard speak, that um, they, they gave me the opportunity to, to sit under the ministry and, and in some cases to spend many, many hours with um, a particular pastor who was a, a great help in my teen years. Um, I spent a lot of hours uh, with him uh, for everything from fishing to to uh, gardening to um, you know doing repairs around the church to you know um, just uh, hanging out at his house. Um, but those people, much of who I am today, is a reflection of those influences. I think to a much greater extent than my own mom and dad. Hmm. Uh, mine was probably the opposite, although I do remember some pastors and missionaries that my parents were very close to, but uh, my parents modeled a Christian marriage. Uh, they loved each other. It was very obvious. It was, you know, I was one of the kids in a home where, oh, would you two cut it out or something like that because they're kissing <laughs> each other and so on. Um, but and it went beyond that. It was my mom singing all the time uh, different songs that she should, uh, heard in church while she's making supper or something like that. And it was the family devotions and it was going to church. It was all these things put together that um, to me was a real model. It was to the point where, you know, my, I shared my testimony just a couple of weeks ago, but Really, the first time I was ever under conviction was when my dad said the words to me, when are you going to trust Christ as your Savior? And I think I was nine years old at that time, and it dawned on me then that I wasn't a Christian, <clears throat> Excuse me, but it was um, his willingness to, his desire for his kids to be saved and really to bring up the subject and talk to me about it on a regular basis. And so all those things put together was a tremendous impact. So is there a, oh, sorry, go ahead. I just was going to say, I think it's interesting that you're hearing kind of maybe one way or another, well, is it the, the church and other people, was my family? You know, I think of a responsibility thing. It's like who ultimately has, you know, back to that verse I read about, you know, you know, teaching others also. I mean, somebody could say that's a more narrow, you know, training up, you know, pastors, elders, and spiritual leaders. I think that's a broader command than just than just that. It's it's all of us training the next generation. It's like, well, who has the responsibility for that? Is it the is it the parents have responsibility for their children? Is it the church has responsibility for the children? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I, and 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 based upon different situations, some children are going to get it are going to get better training from their church and the ministry extensions of that church, Christian schools, Christian camps, things like that. 
Others are going to get it better from their families. And praise the Lord if people get it great from both. But I think the answer is doing it both. And I think, you know, each of us have to examine, okay, and, you know, in our stage of life, okay, I'm, you know, a parent of young kids. You know, some are parents of older kids, some are grandparents at this point. You know, what can you do within your own family, your your biological family, but then also what can you do with your church family as well? And the answer of who you should be training is yes. <laughs> so it sounds like there's not, from what I'm getting, there's not one specific way that parents have done that. Like, for me, I like to try to think through what are, like, systematic ways to do it. So you do family devotions every night before bed, you know, or, or at dinner or in the morning, whenever you happen to do it. Uh, you can make sure that they're in Sunday school. You can make sure that they're in the services, things like that. But there's a lot of ways that parents have passed down the gospel, one of the ways it sounds like is through the way they lived it out, the impact of the change it had in their life, and you saw that change, the way they provided you with people who were actively involved in your life and sharing that, and then, and then of course, the, the parents themselves doing it. So I guess the last question then is we're obviously supposed to be passing things down from generation to generation. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, God told Israel, do this so that it forces your kids to ask the question, why, why is that there? So, for example, when Joshua passed you know, through, through the river and then he's like, all right, set up these 12 stones. And then someday when your kids come to you and they're like, hey, what's with that pile of rocks over there? You can tell them X, Y, or Z. So in some ways in my mind, that is an active way they were trying to prepare to pass something along to future generations because they wanted future generations to see the works of God. And of course, in the Psalms, that's one of the things the psalmist says over and over again is, great are the works of the Lord. You know, you see them over and over again. We saw it in Egypt. We saw it at the Red Sea. We saw it in the Jordan. So for us then, what should people be doing in this day and age to pass down these things we've talked about just now? Because, I don't know if which of you two mentioned it a moment ago, the way parents probably would have answered this question with their kids 30 years ago is probably different than they're going to be answering it now. Just because of the technological advancements we've seen, the way the society has changed, the way the culture is going, things like that. So, for all the rest of us, what should people be doing in this day and age to pass down these things we've talked about to the next generation? I think you answered it with the morning message. Lay down your life. Um, there's a difference between laying down your life and dying. Laying down your life means while you're alive, living for oh, someone else. Dying, your life ends. You know? Could you jump in front? Could you jump between somebody with a gun and somebody who is a victim and, and take the bullet for them? Many of us could. We, could. we could react that quick and we could die like that. But would we be willing to change our life, move, relocate, take less income, take less uh, provision, um, change our lifestyle? Would we be willing to go to a, a foreign country? Would we be willing to um, change the things we eat, change the way we dress, uh, change um, 
you know, not see our grandchildren or not see our children, would we be willing to do that for that person who was the victim of the gunshot? Would we be willing to lay down our life for that person? Um, that's active love that I would be willing to, to um, put myself in position of, of responsibility to other people and, and sacrifice the things that, that I think I could have, maybe the things I think I deserve uh, as an American citizen. You know, um, I think you answered the question this morning with the, the morning message, lay down our life. That's, that's Christ's command to us that we would lay down our lives, that we would, we would esteem others better than ourselves. That, that those words come off real easy until you, you know, esteem others better than yourselves next to lay down your life. Oh, that kind of esteem others better than myself. Um, you know, and it's, um, I think that is where the rubber meets the road in this matter of passing it down because uh, that's the example that, that Tim had set before him. That's the example that, you know, family devotions are a fantastic thing. Anyone who has family devotions regularly knows that part of that is laying down your life for your children. Because there's other things in life that are really important that need to happen. And you have to say, no, we, this is what we're doing right now. We are, we are having our family uh, devotional time. And it's, it's a matter of laying down your life for your children. Okay. Um, you know, time spent uh, ministering to your parents, if you've got aging parents, time spent ministering to your parents is laying down your life for them. And, and those are the things that people see, and those are the things that, that are the whys, you know, and we, we can explain as we're doing things, we can explain to our children the whys. I remember uh, being outside with the, the boys shoveling snow before a, a morning service on a Sunday morning. And uh, I asked Caleb, I said, son, what are we doing? And we're just shuffling snow. And he said, we're worshiping the Lord. I said, Praise the Lord, he got it. He understands. Shoveling snow is worship. You know, that's the wise. We, we're, shoveling, we're not shoveling snow because the snow is on the sidewalk and needs to get moved. No, we're worshiping the Lord in our, in our ministry and our laying down our lives. And, and being out here when nobody else wants to be out here shoveling snow, we're, we're laying down our lives for the people of, of the church so that, so that they can get into the services, so they can hear the preaching of the word. And, and that's, I think, how it happens. And that doesn't matter whether what the questions are being asked. It doesn't matter whether you know, it's 30 years ago or 60 years ago or whatever. Laying down your lives is, is the answer. Um, I would say that um, there's no difference between what our parents did or what we did and what uh, uh, you should do as a parent if you're a younger parent here. The Bible is consistent. The principles are consistent. Just practice the principles. Have a loving home. Be faithful to God in ministry. Be faithful to God in his word. Keep in mind that many of us, those who are my age, we grew up in the 60s or and 70s. That was a major cultural revolution. Just like there's a cultural revolution right now, that was a big one. Um, my brother is 10 years older than me, and looking at his yearbook picture, you will see all the uh, pictures of the young men there in coats and ties with really short hair. But by the time it got to me, 
Uh, I remember in sixth grade, a uh, picture I had for many years of our basketball team uh, when, when I was in sixth grade. I was the only guy that you could see my ears when it came to haircut. Everybody else's hair on the team was down to their shoulders. That was different, and it was taking place during our time. Our parents went through that just like you are going through it with your kids in a time of a real cultural revolution. So I can't tell you do something different than what we did. Practice the Bible. And if you do that, the principles are consistent, and the outcome will be consistent too. There was one thing you mentioned that actually I have an example of where this happened with one of our kids where you, you were talking, Pastor Rod, about, about how our kids would see something and then ask questions. So Caitlin, our oldest daughter, um, who's turning 11 here very shortly, um, she actually, I can't remember what age this was, maybe, maybe at five or six, um, actually after we had communion, at church, that prompted her to ask the question, well, why can't I, you know, partake of communion, which then led to a gospel conversation and her getting saved because she saw, you know, the thing that would ask the question, you know, as we're showing the Lord's death till he come, we're doing it for ourselves. But in a sense, we're also showing the Lord's death till he come to those who are not saved to the young kids around us. And, you know, that led to a conversation there. So I think there is just showing, you know, you know, showing and living out things so that they can, so that they can see and then ask, you know, questions, whether it's why we're shoveling snow or why we're doing communion or things like that, that'll, that'll prompt good questions from our kids. Is it the, the question why gives the, as Pastor Dixon says, the need to know, like if you don't have the need to know, then a lot of times the information that you glean is kind of generally in one ear and out the other. I just remember there's things growing up, you know, I'm sure my parents were investing and teaching me certain things and didn't whatsoever connect with me at all. But then, either when I'm raising my own kids or when something in life happened that related to that thing, and I'm like, oh, wait, what was it that they said? Why am I doing this? Or that, That's when it became real. And so the doing things intentionally that will bring about. Because I'm thinking about the, the Israelites. Heaping a pile of rocks wasn't an accident. It was something that was intentionally done with the purpose of making them ask why. With, with the foreshadowing that it was going to do that. Like, it was going to have the effect of making the kids ask why. So doing things that make the kids or, or next generations ask why are we doing this seems important. But to go off of Mr. England's point, it also sounds like you would say the principles in scripture are timeless so that regardless of what society or culture or age we're in, they will still apply no matter what. And so just trying to be faithful while we can to pass the things down that we've learned. Um, I think that's important. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this. I know that uh, it's a little intimidating sometimes to have to set up and answer a bunch of questions in front of people. At least it is for me. That's why I'm the one asking the questions, not answering them. But at this time, we're going to pray in just a second, and then we're going to invite you to stay with us for our, um, our Fifth Sunday Fellowship down in Heritage Hallway. We'll have a syncspiration. Brad Briggs will be leading us with some songs, and we hope that you'll stay with us so that we can fellowship together.
uh, because of what Christ has done. I'll pray, and then we can be dismissed. Lord, it is a privilege to know that you have given to us men and women of years gone by who have faithfully passed down the things that they have learned to us. And now you call us, living in the days in which we are now, to do the exact same thing for future generations, all for the purpose of exalting your name, because that's what we want to do. I pray for the future generations that are to come, should you tarry, that you would move within them the desire to believe and embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior, and that they would pass along those godly heritages they have received, and that they in turn would pass those along to their kids and their future kids, and that we might see the fruit of those labors that you are bringing about. Thank you for the food we're about to receive and for the many people who have taken time to prepare it. ask that you bless it for our bodies and that you would bless our fellowship together in the time that we sing. For we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.